Hey everybody, welcome to Victory Online, especially if it is your first time with us today. We're so honored to be with you that you've chosen to be with us. And if we haven't met yet, my name is Jean-Michel and I'm one of the pastors here at Victory. And I'm excited about today's word. Come on, if you're ready to jump into the word, give us a thumbs up in the chat. Post amen. Come on, interact with us. We're going to jump into the Word, and if you grew up in church or maybe you know the Word a bit, then you'll have heard the story of when Jesus goes back to his hometown. It's quite a famous story, and it's an interesting story because when he goes to his hometown, he's not able to perform any miracles, right? Now, Jesus was famous for performing miracles all over the place, and uh, in this story, because of the people and, and their interactions with him, they are not able to believe in him, and so he's not able to move and do miracles in his hometown. It's a very interesting story. But do you know that that's not the only time that scripture records Jesus going to his hometown? There are a number of other places where he does this and a number of different stories. And we're going to explore a different one of these, a different set of when he goes back to his hometown. And so if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to read from verse 1. But before we do that, I just want to set the scene a little bit. And where this is taking place in the book of Matthew is it's another famous story where Jesus gets in a boat with his disciples to go across. And as they're going, there's a massive storm and the the disciples fear for their life. Jesus is asleep and he calms the storms. It's a huge famous story. If you remember at the end of that story, Jesus ends up in a town where he kind of cleanses a a person who is demon-possessed. And from there, he moves on. Now, the reason he has to move on is because he actually sends these demons into a herd of pigs. And those pigs fling themselves into the sea and actually kill themselves. And because of this and and the craziness around the story, the people actually ask Jesus to leave their town. And so that's exactly what he does. And he goes back to his hometown. This is the scene. This is setting the scene for what's happening. And I want to explore this today because I feel like God's got something beautiful to say to you and to me today. So if you've got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 9, verse 1, let's read together. It says this, Jesus stepped into a boat, back into a boat, crossed over and came to his own town. Some men brought him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven powerful moment. Verse 3, at this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. That's their reaction. Verse 4, knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? Which is easier? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to man." Today, my message title is Stuck Until We See. Stuck Until We See. Come, let's pray. 
Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and move this morning. As we come into your word, will you speak to us? Will you encourage us? Will you move us? Will you give us fresh perspectives about who we are and who you are to move us into your future and into your destiny? We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I don't know if you're like me. Maybe you are and you've gotten stuck before. Okay, what do I mean, being stuck, right? I don't, my story might be different from your story, but if you've ever felt that feeling of being stuck, I want to tell you, a couple years ago, a good few years ago, I was invited on holiday with a couple of my friends, and, uh, and we, we were in kind of a game reserve place. It was really beautiful, and we had a good time, but it came to the end, and I had to leave early. So I was leaving a day before everybody else was going home. And uh, at the time, we had a certain way to come into where we were staying and a certain way to get out. These were all dirt roads. There was no paving. There was no tar. It was really out in the sticks. And... It was an amazing time, but there was a very specific way of getting in and out of this place, right? Now, the roads did go other places, but they were not the right roads if you were trying to get out. Come on, post in the chat if you know where I'm going with this. See, what happened was when I went off, they were like, okay, now remember, when you get to this intersection, you must turn right. Okay, sure, no problem. And I get to the intersection, turn right. Are you sure? Intersection, right. Sure, no problem. Guys, we'll see you soon and get in the car, start driving and I'm all by myself. You can imagine exactly what happens. I, you know, honestly, I can admit it. My wife will tell you as well. I'm not so great with directions. I need the GPS. I need it and I need it to work. Uh, if I have to do it out of memory, I'm not always so great at that. And this is a prime and perfect example of exactly what happens when you don't follow directions. Because when I got to the intersection, I turned left. All right? And by turning left, it wasn't the end of the world. You know, I started going down this road and I realized, after, pretty soon I realized, ah, man, I've gone the wrong way. But it's fine because I know that if I just follow it around, I'm going to reconnect. I'm sure if I just go on this road, I'm going to reconnect and everything's going to be fine. Mistake number one. Mistake number two. Here's the deal. The night before, it had been raining. Not just like spitter spatter rain, like real rain. And so the road was muddy. Post in the chat if you know where I'm going with this. Now I end up on the wrong road, the road that's not the way out, the road that is kind of not the one you're supposed to use, and so it's not quite up to the standard the other road is. It's been raining, there's mud everywhere, and as I'm going along, I'm starting to feel the car's not gripping like it should, the car's not going the way it should, and as you can imagine what happens, I end up getting stuck in the mud, just completely stuck. It's true, and my wheels are spinning, I'm not going anywhere, I'm digging myself deeper and deeper into this hole, and I realize it's time, I need help. And so I phone my friends, and I'm like, listen guys, I don't know how to say this, but I am stuck. 
And all of them are saying, did you turn right when we told you to turn right? Of course, I'm saying, no, I didn't, and here I am, I'm stuck. And they had to come fish me out. And it was a whole big story because I didn't have the proper towing eye that I needed, so we had to attach the towing cable to another part of the car, which bent that part of the car. It was a big, big faff. And I remember just sitting there in the car, stuck in the mud, not able to go anywhere, not able to do anything, not able to move forward at all, not able to move back, I was stuck and just feeling so kind of hopeless in that moment. You know what, I got out of there and I moved forward and everything was okay, I got the bent part of my car fixed, but it was a big lesson I had to learn in that moment. Have you ever felt that way? Come on, church, when you have just, you just feel stuck. In fact, some of us feel that way right now. If we think about our relationships, we think about our businesses, some of us are stuck in a situation where we need healing, we're stuck with health issues, and we feel stuck. We can't move forward, we can't move back, we just stay in the same place. Some of us feel like that in our relationships, some of us feel like that in the places where we are. Come on, we feel stuck, and we need a way out. See, in our journey with God, it's not always easy to understand His Word for us. It really isn't. You know, we read the Word and we jump into it and we try and understand it and we give it our all and sometimes we really just don't understand. Sometimes we're praying and we're hearing kind of back from God, but we're not fully understanding what He is saying to us. It's just like in that moment with my friends, they were telling me, go right, and I heard it, and I understood it, but I didn't get it inside, and so when I got to that moment, instead of turning right, I turned left, and it ended up in somewhere I didn't want to be. We don't always understand what God is trying to tell us, but here's the thing. What we are hearing and what we are receiving in our lives is what is shaping who we are. We are shaped by what we have heard. And I want to bring it back to the scripture for a second, right? Jesus goes to his hometown, and as he comes in, he has enough, there's enough fame around Jesus right now where people understand that he can perform miracles. And so these men bring a paralyzed man to him. And Jesus speaks certain words over this paralyzed man. And I want us to just unpack this a little bit and try and understand what's going on in this set of scriptures. You know that we are shaped by the things that we hear. So this paralyzed man had probably been hearing his whole life from when he was a kid. We don't know whether he is paralyzed from birth or not, but... as as soon as he is paralyzed, whenever that happens, from then he's probably heard over and over again, you can't walk. There's no hope for you. You'll never have a good job. You'll never be able to provide for a family. You'll never have a family. You can't walk. In fact, he probably heard these things from friends, family members, from whoever around him. Why? What happened? Why can't he walk? And slowly but surely, he starts to believe inside of himself, I am paralyzed. I will never walk. I will never walk. There's just no way. And I mean, it's true. If he was paralyzed, there was no way, especially at that time with medicine the way that it was, there was, there was no rehabilitation. There was no way for him to find his way back to walking, right? And he would have heard over and over again until he believed in his heart, I am paralyzed. 
But it's not just the paralyzed man who is struggling with this at this point in time. There are also the teachers of the law. Do you see this? And, and we're, really, we're going to unpack it. But do you take a look at, at how this unfolds? Jesus says to this paralyzed man some very specific words. He says to him, your sins are forgiven. Okay, interesting, right? He's, he, they, they bring this man to be healed by Jesus. And Jesus doesn't say, be healed. He says, your sins are forgiven. And the teachers of the law respond in a very specific way. They say, this man is blaspheming. Why do they say that? Because it is only for God to forgive sins. According to the law of Moses, according to the traditions of the Jewish nation, there is only one judge, there is only one person who can forgive sins or not forgive sins, and that is God. God alone. So by Jesus saying, your sins are forgiven, he is claiming to be God. This cannot be. And they completely reject Jesus because of it. It's not just in this case, but all throughout the Gospels, you'll see when Jesus does something, when he heals or he does something miraculous, then immediately the teachers of the law, whether they be Pharisees or Sadducees or just religious leaders of the time, they reject Jesus because they cannot accept that he is God. And we have the the privilege of, of hindsight, we can see now, look back at that and understand who Jesus was. But at the time, it's understandable. These guys, they were shaped by what they knew. And they knew, according to the law, that no one can forgive sins. No man can do that. And if any man claims to do that, he is blaspheming. That's what they were taught. That's what they heard. That's what they knew. And that's what they believed. Because that's who they were. We are shaped by what we hear. Neither of these two people, either the teachers of the law or the paralyzed man, could truly receive what was being said to them in that moment because of what had already been spoken before. And so what does that mean for you? I have a question for you. What words have been spoken over you? What words do you believe that are not necessarily what God has said about you? Come on, if it's true for them, it's true for us. We are shaped by the things that we hear. Maybe you grew up and people told you you'll never amount to anything. Maybe you grew up and, and people told you you're not good at this or not good at that. Or you have a dream and you're trying to get somewhere and people have just told you you cannot do it. There's no way you can do it. We are shaped by those words. And in fact, those words can cage us. Those words can pull us into a place of Bondage. They keep us stuck. Come on, they keep us stuck where we are. And beyond even that, not just what people have said to us, what have you said to yourself that has got you stuck in the mud? Things you repeat in your mind over and over again till you believe it in your heart. I'm talking to you if maybe you're struggling with an addiction that you've tried to be free from for many years. And you just keep telling yourself, I'll never be free. My experience has told me I will never be free of this thing. I'm stuck where I am. 
Maybe someone told you you'll never be good at business. Or maybe you've told yourself, I'll never be good at business. And so your business doesn't thrive and you keep saying the same thing. Look, see, here's all the evidence, right? Just like that paralyzed man. You're paralyzed. Okay, well, the evidence supports that, right? My business is not thriving. Therefore, I'll never be good at business. Or I'll never be a good husband or a good wife. Or maybe I'm scared that I'm going to be a bad mother or a bad father. What words? do we continue to say over and over what has been spoken over you? What are you telling yourself? These teachers of the law and this paralyzed man had a certain word in their hearts, but Jesus came and spoke something different. What did he say? He says to this paralyzed man, not be healed. He says, your sins are forgiven. Take heart. Be encouraged. Your sins are forgiven. And when the Pharisees say this, they say it in their minds. They're like, this guy, no, he's blaspheming. Definitely he is blaspheming. And Jesus perceives this. He just knows that they're thinking this way, right? And he says to them this interesting thing. What, what is easier to say? What's more difficult to say between your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? What's harder to say? Neither. They are both the same. What Jesus is trying to tell them is it's not about the specific words I'm saying. It's about what those words mean. And so check this out. First, Jesus says to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. And then he tells the paralyzed man, get up and walk. Check this out. I want you to read with me from verse 6. He says at the end of that verse, get up, take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and went home. That's huge. All right. We need to unpack this a little bit. First, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Then he says, rise up and walk. And he says something very interesting that I want you and me to pick up in that verse 6. He says, I want you to know. I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Come on, track with me here, church. God is saying to you today, that he wants you to know that he has the power to forgive your sins. Not just to forgive your sins, but to set you apart, to give you a future. He has the power to turn your situation around. No matter what anyone has told you, no matter what anyone has said in your life, God has the power because he wants you to know. You see, Jesus could have said, get up and walk, and they wouldn't have had a problem. But what Jesus wanted them to know that he can forgive sins. 
See, in this moment, Jesus is alluding to what he's going to do on the cross by overcoming the grave through his death and his resurrection. He is about to pour grace out on a graceless society. He's about to pour grace on a law-based society. He's about to shake everything up. He's about to recreate the whole structure and order of how people approach God, on how we receive righteousness, on how we grow in him. He's about to change everything. He's alluding to that, and he wants everyone to know that he has this power. And I want to say this to you, especially if you've grown up in church and you know that Jesus has forgiven your sins. We might know that Jesus has forgiven our sins, but we will be stuck until we see, stuck until we understand what it means to have your sins forgiven. Let me ask you this question. What happened to the paralyzed man when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven? Well, on the outside, nothing. He was still lying on the mat. He was still paralyzed. In his, in his physical outer body, nothing happened. But come on, in the spirit, things were clicking, things were changing, things were molding, things were becoming something different, something new. Come on, he was doing something in the spirit. On the outside, nothing big was happening, but on the inside, everything was changing. And then Jesus says to him, get up, take your mat and go home. And that's when he stands up, when he finally sees what Jesus is doing. He comes out of that stuck place. He was stuck on that mat. He was stuck paralyzed. He couldn't walk. He couldn't move forward. He couldn't go back. He couldn't do anything. He was stuck until he understood. He was stuck until he saw what Jesus was trying to do. Come on, this is for you this morning. You will be stuck where you are, doing the same thing in and out every day until you see what the grace of God does for you. Come on, grace breaks the cage. It pulls us out of the mud. It doesn't just forgive us. It doesn't forgive us and then leave us where we are, but it empowers us to change into something new. You see, Jesus didn't have to say, get up and walk. What he said, as your sins are forgiven, that was enough. But what he needed us to know is that when he forgives us, when his grace pours out over us, it changes everything. And that your sins are forgiven means rise up and walk. Come on, we will be stuck until we understand that the road to freedom is found in his grace given to us. Come on. I'm talking to you where you are stuck, where your marriage is stuck, where your business is stuck, where you are stuck in sickness or you are stuck in addiction and you're crying out to God for freedom. Freedom is found when you hear and understand what it means to have your 
sins forgiven. To have your sins forgiven is not just to be clean and to be right in front of God. Those things are amazing and beautiful, but it's not the end of the story. What grace does, it doesn't just, it doesn't just forgive your sins, but it actually empowers you to step into who God has made you to be. Come on. His grace is the thing that's going to sort the marriage out. It's going to change your mindset and it's going to help your partner and you connect and communicate. It's the thing that's going to come in and it's going to change your relationship with your kids. It's going to empower you to be the boss that you should be. It's going to empower you to turn your back on that habit, on that addiction and move forward into freedom and to find a new life. It's not based on yourself. That paralyzed man did not stand up by himself, but he stood up based on who God had made him to be. Come on, grace is rise up and walk. To forgive your sins is to rise up and walk. It means that when Jesus says, I forgive you, he is saying to you, rise up and walk. It means when Jesus is saying, I forgive you, he is saying, come on, take another stab at your marriage. Come on, take another stab at at that business. Come on, don't stop. Don't slow down. I forgive your sins. I forgive your issues. I'm giving you freedom. I'm giving you empowerment. That's what he means. And we'll be stuck until we see that that is what he means. See, some of us have made big mistakes. Some of us have made massive errors in our businesses, in our marriages, in our homes. We've made big mistakes. And we need forgiveness before we can even imagine who we can be. Some of us are so far deep stuck in addiction that we we need forgiveness long before we can even see who we can be without our addiction. Come on, I'm talking to you today, and God is talking to you today. That he wants to not only blot away your failures, rip away your sins, pour his blood all over your mistakes, but he also wants to lift you up out of that, to get those legs that were not working to work again, to get that mind and that heart and those emotions that were not working to work again. This is who God is, and this is who he is to you. If you're feeling stuck right now, like there's no way out of the mud, it's time to receive the grace of Jesus to change everything. The same is true. Once we see, we can get up. We might be stuck until we see, but we will never be stuck again when we realize that his outpoured love and compassion and grace to you is everything you need to be free. And so come on, if that's you today, and I know all of us feel that way from time to time, Maybe you're dealing with real issues right now. Maybe you're dealing with real difficulties right now. If that's you, I want to pray with you as we receive this word today. Father, I pray right now that no matter what our situation is and no matter how much we feel like we're stuck, how we feel like we're not going to make it, how we feel like we're never going to be able to get there, 
We can rely on your empowering grace to move us there. I pray for every person who has a certain word in their mind that they'll never be free, that they'll never have what they need, that they'll never be who you've called them to be. I pray for them today, Lord Jesus, that they would receive the freedom that you have for them. I pray right now that you pour your sin-forgiving, amazing grace on every one of us we can receive that today. It can wipe away our own thoughts about ourselves and replace them with who you have made us to be. That our relationships, our businesses, every part of our lives will function the way you've called them to function. Not because of us and our ability, but because of your miraculous grace. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Church. If this is you and you just want that deeper connection with God, maybe you're brand new to church, maybe you've never been, maybe this is the first time you're hearing a word like this about who Jesus is and what his amazing grace does. If that's you and you want to become a follower of Jesus, you want to become a Jesus follower, I'd love to pray a prayer with you to start that journey. You see, being a Christian doesn't mean going to church or following rules or being a perfect person, it means to give your life to Christ and to have a relationship with him. He wants to know you. He doesn't just want to, to rule you and, and make you do what he wants. He wants to have a relationship with you. He doesn't just want to condemn you for the things you've done wrong. He wants to forgive those things and empower you into a new life. And so if that's you, I want to pray with you today. Will you pray these words with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today just as I am. Will you forgive my sins? Will you wash me clean? Will you remove my brokenness? And will you replace it with your word for me? I give my life to you. I believe you are God. Be my Lord. Be my savior and be my best friend. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.